What's up, everybody? What is going on? This is Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for sports news updates, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. If you don't know, I am live right now on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. If you're listening after the fact, especially on the podcast feed, I appreciate y'all. If you're watching on the IG live feed, you're getting a behind-the-scenes look at my setup here as I am social distancing. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, you can see the green screen. Anyway, enough about me. We just had WrestleMania night two, and whew, there were some moments that were cringe. There were some moments that made me say, what the hell did I just watch? And then there were moments that made me say, oh, hell yeah. None bigger than my main man, the Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre, finally realizing his dream, becoming the WWE champion, defeating Brock Lesnar after multiple Claymore kicks, I believe four in total, to win the title. It was essentially almost a carbon copy of Goldberg versus Braun the Strowman, albeit a little bit longer and a lot smoother, and I'd say overall better, but practically the same match. But hey, look, they were all in a tough spot. I can imagine none of these guys want to be put in danger. Uh, You know, they're taking a significant risk wrestling, so hey, why not? They could always run it back in the summer or in the fall. Donald Trump did mention to the sports commissioners, including Vince McMahon, on a conference call yesterday, I believe, that he expects things to sort of be back to normal by August. Obviously, the the virus is what dictates that, not the freaking president or any politician. But we will see what happens. Knock on wood, hopefully it's sooner than that. But either way, I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you all are staying sound. And I hope you all got to enjoy WrestleMania or at least distract yourself from the craziness in the real world with WrestleMania because there was some serious craziness here. But let's kick things off with, well, the kickoff show. We had Liv Morgan defeat Natalia. Okay, match. Just uh, more of a, a raw match. We opened WrestleMania Night 2 with Rhea Ripley taking on Charlotte Flair. This is a really good match. They went 20 minutes. I really like this match. Hard hitting. Very fast paced at first. They went at it. Uh, I like the intensity. Then it got really methodical where Charlotte was working on the knee of, of Rhea, working on the knee of said that figure eight. Rhea kept coming back but selling the knee. I thought she did a, a great job as a babyface champion. She's actually a lot shorter than I think people realize. She's like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but she looks a lot taller than, than some of the other women because she's jacked as hell. But I mean, I mean, both women look really good tonight. The, the work was crisp. The selling was good. My only complaint, Charlotte Flair got the win. And look, it's an empty arena WrestleMania. It's not the same as other WrestleManias. But man, I really feel like really, Rhea, excuse me, easy for me to say, really feel like Rhea. Try saying that a hundred times. I really feel like Rhea should have gotten that win. Just like I really feel like Bianca should have gotten that win. Just like I really feel like at one point, Sasha Banks should have gotten that definitive win over Charlotte as well. And instead... Here's the recurring theme. And I'm not blaming Charlotte. She's not the one that books these matches. She's incredibly talented. But there are constantly opportunities to put over other women who need a win more over the last four or five years since Charlotte's been on the main roster. And over a period of time, she's essentially become kind of like the female Triple H, a great worker, a great talent, a true main eventer, but winning at times when she really doesn't need to or when her character really doesn't need to. This was one of those times. Now, look, they could obviously run it back. Look, they, they really could use some ratings, a ratings boost, considering 
NXT is getting its ass handed to them by AEW Dynamite right now. Uh, although both shows are currently getting their asses handed to them by COVID-19 and all, all the news coverage. That being said, Charlotte's been on NXT a few times. Didn't exactly move the needle. In fairness to her, nobody is on that show. And in fairness to her, nobody really is in WWE right now. Other than maybe Goldberg on occasion. Or the occasional big star. Or you know Steve Austin appearing or, or, or whomever. So, I don't know. To me, it's a, a very bizarre booking decision. I wouldn't have made it, but look, it is what it is, what it is. And for anybody watching live right now on IG, on Facebook, on YouTube, I appreciate y'all. We will be taking your questions and comments live on the air. But it was a good match, just I was disappointed in the finish because I thought the wrong gal won. We had Aleister Black beat Bobby Lashley in a, in a raw match. I don't even know why this match was going on, but whatever. Pretty good match, good effort. But again, this felt more like a Raw match than, than a WrestleMania match. Otis versus Dolph Ziggler, one of my favorite matches of the weekend. They had a, a pretty decent match. Didn't go too long, about eight minutes. But really what, what it came down to was, will Otis finally get the girl? Will Otis finally get Mandy Rose? Will we finally secure her love? And the answer to those questions is yes, yes, yes. Otis got the win when Mandy slapped Sonya. He took out Dolph, got the pin, and afterwards, he lifted up Mandy. She gave him a couple kisses, and all was right with the world. Finally, in Vince McMahon's WWE, the good guy, even a big pudgy guy like Otis, got the girl. This was a great feel-good story, and I can't wait to see Mandy Rose and Otis take on Sonya and Dolph down the road. By the way, they had... Various advertisements for Money in the Bank. Now, to the best of my knowledge, it seems like that's going to be a, a wrap, but maybe they'll run in the Performance Center. We had, oof, probably the most disappointing match of the entire weekend. Edge versus Randy Orton. This match, uh, well, look, let me start with the good. Both guys look great physically. Uh, both guys uh, had, had really crisp work. Uh, both guys uh, really busted their asses and, and took punishment and some serious chances. Unfortunately, this match went a little too long. But when I mean a little too long, I mean about 20 minutes too long. The exact time in this match, uh, if I have this correctly, according to the Twitter machine, 36 minutes and 35 seconds. Yeah. This went way too long in front of no crowd. This was a last man standing match. The, it started out with Randy Orton hitting an RKO out of nowhere on Edge. Another RKO out of nowhere. He had snuck up behind him, posing as a cameraman. And then these guys just brawled. And brawled. And brawled. And grunted. And it was like, ugh! 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 I mean, you could have taken, like, a super cut of all these grunts and sold them to an adult film website. There were so many grunts. So, they, they, they kept brawling and brawling all through the Performance Center. I feel like this was kind of the wrong match. They should have fought on the street or something. I don't know. Done like a real legit street fight, something. But they, they, they were brawling all over the place. They brought through the training camp area, the gym area. There was one spot that made me cringe. Now, my buddy Scott Anderson thinks most of Twitter and, and myself are overthinking this. But for those that don't know, Vice TV has a series called Dark Side of the Ring, which is a, a great docu-series. I, I recommend you all checking it out, especially if you like some of the WWE documentaries on the network. And they covered Benoit in depth, the Chris Benoit tragedy. And if you don't know, Chris Benoit passed away by hanging himself with uh, weight equipment. And that documentary just aired less than two weeks ago. 
So what happens here? Edge and Orton are brawling. And then Orton chokes Edge and looks like he's almost going to hang him from the weight machine. I shrieked as soon as I saw that. Maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe all the other people that had the same exact thought that I did at the same exact time are overthinking. But I I was not feeling that. I I was totally, totally not feeling that. Uh, I could have done without that spot. Um, So there was also a spot where Orton was... uh, Got punched. He's laying on an office chair. Edge swung off the weight machine onto Orton. I guess he hit him with his steel crotch. Maybe Edge was wearing a cup, so he took him out. I don't know. Maybe he was going for a Bronco Buster as an X-Pac tribute since X-Pac didn't get his Hall of Fame speech this year. I don't know. It was kind of wacky. They they brawled in, in a random conference room. <laughs> that was weird where Edge like hung up and, and then hit a, you know slammed him down. I mean, there was... It was wacky. There was one spot, too, where they, where they fought backstage like near the production trucks and everything else uh, where Edge went up, went up top near a, w- with the ladder, hopped off, elbow dropped Randy Orton through a table. I thought Edge was supposed to take less risks now after uh, coming off of another neck surgery, but I, I guess not. Again, these guys worked their asses off. I don't want to downplay the efforts from both men. They were gassed. They were exhausted. They were sweating like crazy. They were taking real bumps, but this just went on and on and it was all it almost became like a parody of a last man standing match and i'll say this the beginning was good the middle was way too long and, and jumbled it honestly it seemed like a more it got to the point where it seemed like a more athletic version of jim halpert versus dwight Schrute in the office where they're just grunting and brawling imagine if dwight Schrute and jim halpert on uh, the american version of the office had a brawl throughout the office and, and, you know, in the warehouse and everything else. That's kind of like what this is, only more aggressive and more athletic with JDB programming and production. So finally, we, we get some re- the really good stuff where they're on top of a, a freaking trailer of a truck. Edge hits a spear. or also hit an RKO. They both get up. And then uh, eventually, Edge uh, locks in the, the standing uh, arm choke, similar to what Jake Hager does in, in AEW and what some MMA fighters have done. And he chokes out Orton. He sets up one steel chair underneath Orton's head, takes the other steel chair, and of course, it's, it's like the concerto that Orton used on him and what Edge used to use on all his opponents back in the day before concussion protocol. So Edge hit the, hit the concerto, knocked out Orton, got the win. I hate to say it, but you should probably only watch this match if you just want to catch the highlights. I mean, it was... This match would have been awesome if it was like 20 minutes shorter, 15 minutes shorter. I feel bad saying that because I am a huge, huge, huge Edge fan. I really am to the point where my buddy Ben Osner was texting me trash talk throughout the night because he knows growing up I was a humongous Edge fan. I got a Radar Superstar shirt in my closet right now. I own all his DVDs. Like, I loved Edge growing up. I still love Edge to this day. I enjoyed the WWE documentary, uh, the 24. I think it's WWE 24 on on the network. Y'all should check that out. It's amazing. Uh, But this match just... Overall, as a whole, was not it. But it started out strong. It finished strong. And hey, at the end, I, I guess that's, uh, well, all that mattered. But oof, yeah, it was a li- little really rough in, in some parts. So that took forever. We had Gronk, uh, or I'm sorry, we had Mojo Raleigh running down the ring afterwards because we had to clear our pallets with the Geek Squad. And a bunch of these unnamed wrestlers are, are chasing Mojo. And keep in mind, Mojo's the 24-7 champion. I forgot to mention on the last show, he pinned R-Truth to win the 24-7 title. So I guess Mojo had another WrestleMania moment, thanks to Gronk. 
And then afterwards, as he was getting chased and they're brawling or whatever, I mean, these dudes were not practicing social distancing whatsoever. And the irony is this is in Florida where they refuse to social distance at the freaking beaches and at places of worship. So, by the way, if you're not social distancing, pardon my language, what, what, uh, you know, I'm not going to say a bad word. I was going to say the F word, but my mom's watching her. What the F is wrong with y'all? Stay home. Anyway. So, Gronk goes up to the balcony jumps off the same balcony where Elias almost died and magically recovered like a week later. All the guys uh, were in his way, of course, so they caught him. It was a huge car crash. And then Mojo, or I'm sorry, Gronk pinned Mojo to win the 24-7 championship. Okay. And then Titus O'Neil took over as host. All right. That's fine. We had the Street Profits defeat Austin Theory and Angel Garza in short order to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. Fine little match, but again, this belonged on a Raw. wasn't really worthy of a title match, but it was, it was fine. And afterwards, the heels attacked Street Profits. And who should run out for a save but one of my favorite wrestlers today, Bianca Belair. This badass not only saved Angelo Dawkins, but her husband, Montez Ford, took out Zelina Vega, and they posed afterwards. They lifted her up Miss Elizabeth style like the Mega Powers. I dug this moment. The only thing I thought was, oh, this would have been even better in front of a crowd, but... You can say the same for pretty much everything this weekend. So Titus O'Neil took over as host. We then had a really long five-way, went 20 minutes, five-way elimination match for the SmackDown Women's title. Decent match. Bailey defeated Sasha Banks, Tamina, Lacey Evans, and Naomi to retain the SmackDown Women's title. She continues to be the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion in history. Uh, so Tamina was eliminated first. All, all four women uh, teamed up to take her out. Then Naomi was tapped out by Sasha Banks in the bank statement. Then Lacey Evans hit the women's right to pin Sasha. And then at the end, after Bailey and Lacey were going back and forth, Sasha just rolls up in the ring, attacks Lacey, and then Bailey hits uh, the headlock driver for the win. And that's that. Uh, a little weird. I, I know this is technically no DQ, but it seemed a little weird when it came down to one-on-one -on -one that this would be no DQ. But I guess, you know what? It's WrestleMania. There has to be a winner. The, the interference was just kind of blatant enough where it smacked me in the face. Uh, but it, they told a good story. Uh, Bailey did not try to save Sasha when she got hit with the women's right earlier in the match. But Sasha still saved Bailey. And afterwards, Sasha stared at the title, handed it to Bailey, put it around her waist. And it looks like they'll be building up to Bailey versus Sasha Banks either at SummerSlam or sometime in the fall. And you know what? This is compared to the buildup of whatever feud they were trying to do a couple years ago before they became women's tag team champions. This is significantly better. So props to all women involved, especially Bailey and Sasha Banks. I thought they did a really good job here and the creative team for telling the story. And I know they don't always get the praise, but I got to give them some praise here. It's been a, a good job with Bailey and Sasha Banks. Then we had maybe the most polarizing match in WWE history, at least recent WWE history. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the hell Vince McMahon smoked uh, before putting this all together. But it must have been good. You know what? I mean, he's a big ACDC fan. We heard ACDC at the intro of this show and, and last night's show. Of course, ACDC is the theme song of, of SmackDown. Maybe ACDC hooked him up with some of the drugs they used to use in, in their prime. I don't know. This is, I don't even know how to describe this. I really don't. I, I really don't. So, but I will try. I, I will try. So John Cena made his entrance into the Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt started playing mind games. And then all of a sudden, John Cena was standing there, and there was a SmackDown fist. 
They had the, the Vince McMahon puppet who told John Cena he wanted to ha see Ruthless Aggression, a, a play on the infamous promo from 18 years ago. Then they aired a clip of Kurt Angle challenging somebody new, which was John Cena in real life. And then John Cena appeared in front of Bray Wyatt wearing his 2002 gear with the shorts and everything. So Wyatt called, uh, called Cena a great failure. Uh, Cena jabbed back at him. They played some cartoony music. Then they had Saturday, the Saturday night's main event intro. And then uh, it was four by three, not 16 by nine. They had like the old like VHS filter. And, and then they were behind a steel cage filter and Bray and John are lifting weights, lifting weights. And it, this honestly looked like the intro to like a sequel to Pain and Gain, which is, which is crazy. Uh, this is the point where my dad, who I'm watching this with, because I'm social distancing with my family and we're sticking together. This is the point where my dad said this is the, the dumbest, stupidest, most confusing thing he's ever seen. And he was just... Granted, my dad's a 62-year-old man, so this is not in his demographic, but he was absolutely appalled by this. And I have a feeling that anybody in WWE's median age group, which is over 50, by the way, would be appalled by this. Now, somebody my age range, 31, mm, hit or miss. Very polarizing. So after that, John Cena turned back into the doctor of thugonomics, and he started rapping. And this was my favorite part because I, I liked the Doctor of Thugonomics back in the day uh, growing up in high school. And uh, he, he, he said a few rhymes. Uh, the the Funhouse puppets booed him. He said something about D's Nuts and threw the D's Nuts pack at Bray Wyatt, a callback from 2003. Then we were at the Wyatt compound. They showed flashbacks of Bray Wyatt's original vignettes before debuting on the main roster. They showed highlights of Bray Wyatt losing to John Cena at WrestleMania six years ago. Then we had uh, Bray Wyatt and his old gear with the, with the Wyatt family with the, with the you know, colored shirts and everything. Uh, Bray Wyatt offered John Cena a chair. John Cena tried to swing at him, and Bray Wyatt disappeared. Then we had Br By the way, this is all real. Please, please hang in there with me. Whether you're listening or watching, please hang in there. I mean, this is all real. I'm not joking. This is actually what happened. So then we flashed to WCW NWO... Monday Nitro, where Bray Wyatt is playing Eric Bischoff, and he introduces John Cena, <laughs> and John Cena comes out, I guess supposedly as Hollywood Hulk Hogan, even though he looks more like a young Scott Hall if he fused with Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat, and he's wearing an NWO shirt with the WCW World Heavyweight title with the NWO sprayed on, spray painted on it. Hey, which, uh, by the way, my main man, uh, Dreadlock uh, Blurred, uh, says uh, that was brilliant. All right. I mean, I, I don't know if it was or what, but, it, but wait, there's more. So Vince McMahon, the puppet, on commentary says, this is such good shit. And if you don't know what that reference is from, it's an inside reference to John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose's interview with Chris Jericho on his Talk is Jericho podcast, where John Moxley made fun of Vince McMahon's creative vision, or lack thereof, and kept saying that Vince McMahon always would say, this is such good shit. And it ended up becoming a meme amongst wrestling Twitter circles. So that was kind of funny. Although, again, limited audience, I think, right? I mean, if other people are watching this and don't listen to the podcast and whatever, I, I don't know. To me, I feel, I feel like this went over half people's heads and half the people got it. So then, Cena attacked Wyatt. Chance of Cena sucks uh, began. Wyatt disappeared. And then Cena was, was beating up, I think, a pig. 
And then why the fiend appeared. He put uh, John Cena in Mandible Claw. And then uh, John Cena, this audio of John Cena talking about how Bray Wyatt was overhyped was playing in the background. Then the fiend kept the Mandible Claw on Cena who was on his back. But somehow regular Bray Wyatt and his sweater appeared and counted the, the pinfall. One, two, three. <laughs> and then the fiend posed. And we cut to Titus, Titus O'Neil, and, and he his look was the same as the one I'm about to give. Uh, I have no idea what we just watched. And now Titus has become a meme, another meme, which is gr- good for him. Let, let him get those coins. But yeah, so that recaps the most polarizing, crazy, dumbest, stupidest, so bad it might have been good WrestleMania match and any WWE match of all time. If the Boneyard match was the apex of WWE Studios, a cinematic masterpiece in pro wrestling in terms of just art and production and cinematographer, whatever, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt was like, I don't know if the opposite's even the right word. It's like, it's like, it's like if Quentin Tarantino and David Lynch and Vince McMahon, and Kevin Dunn and his buck teeth, and Vince Russo, and Eric Bischoff, and the Ultimate Warrior, and, I don't know, Charlie Sheen, and David Hasselhoff, and Adam Sandler, and Satan, all teamed up in the writer's room and said, uh, and, and okay, Bray Wyatt too, and said, what is the craziest shit that we can come up with that will be so crazy, so OCD, so nonsensical that we get it trending on social media and it is so wild and wacky and unpredictable that we can't have fans complain because they don't know what to make of it. That's what this was. I don't know. I, I, got no, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. That, I will say this from a pure booking standpoint. I have no idea what positives that did for Bray Wyatt. I mean, he beat John Cena, I guess. I mean, he beat him technically, right? I guess in some in a weird way that made me never want to see another regular Bray Wyatt wrestling match again, which he already accomplished at Hell in a Cell with that horrible match, albeit not all his fault. So I, I, I guess, I guess mission accomplished, right? It makes me not inclined to see another Bray Wyatt match again. I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. Kudos to the WWE editing team. Kudos to the production team. Kudos to Bray Wyatt and John Cena for participating in whatever the hell this was. Look, it was an accomplishment. Wardrobe changes, camera cuts, all this stuff. A guy like John Cena who's starring in the new Fast and Furious because they've easily said, you know what, man? I ain't doing this dumbass stuff. This is crazy. But no, he was a great sport about it. So you know what? For the effort, I got to give it a thumbs up. As a mat, this was not a mat. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. This is like I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's like hanging out with Scarface, uh, it's Tony Montana Scarface, and 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 like taking a bunch of drugs and having to pick which one was the best. Not that I do drugs, but I'm just saying, like you can't pick. They're all kind of bad for you, but they all have their, their good side effects. So that was this match, and then we had our main event which I, I recapped at the top of the show, but for anybody joining uh, live late, I'll recap it again. 
This went four and a half minutes. Drew McIntyre, the Scottish psychopath, defeated Brock Lesnar to win the WWE Championship. Uh, a notable thing at the start of this match, uh, Mike Rome did the intros, not Paul Heyman for Brock Lesnar. That was very interesting. So it started off with uh, McIntyre hitting a Claymore kick. Lesnar kicked out. Then Brock hit an F5, and McIntyre kicked out. Actually, no, yeah, he, yeah, he, okay, so McIntyre, okay, so here's what happened. Claymore kick, 20 seconds in, but Lesnar kicked out. Then McIntyre went for another Claymore, and uh, then Brock hit suplexes, the German suplexes. Then he hit it at five, and then McIntyre kicked out at one, which was pretty crazy. Then Lesnar, because he wanted to go full WB2K20 with, with spamming finishers, hit another F5, McIntyre kicked out at two. Hit another one, McIntyre kicked out again. And then Lesnar was going to go for it, but McIntyre gave him a Claymore kick, another Claymore kick, another Claymore kick. So in total, this was roughly what, four Claymore kicks. And McIntyre got the win, visibly emotional. And uh, what, what, what can I say? Uh, great effort. <laughs> Very short. I would have liked an epic encounter. Again, almost a carbon copy of Strowman versus Goldberg, a more athletic version, a better version. But at the end of the day, the right guy won. I can't really say the right guy won last night. Uh, I thought Goldberg should have won, and you hold off Roman and Goldberg for uh, a show that you could do safely. But hey, it is what it is. McIntyre got the win. I'm very happy for him. And look at this resume for Drew McIntyre, right? Intercontinental champion, two-time tag team champion, NXT champion, Impact Wrestling World Champion, Evolve Champion, Dragon Gate USA Champion, ICW Champion. I believe he's also in the ICW Hall of Fame uh, up uh, across the pond. Uh, and then we, what else has he done? Of course, Royal Rumble winner. And now WWE Champion. So congrats to Drew McIntyre. And WrestleMania headliner. He headlined WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar tonight. Night before, who would have thunk it? The Undertaker versus AJ Styles, which would have been absolutely un fathomable four years ago, four and a half years ago. Crazy to think about. So overall, I got to say night two was better than night one, or I'm sorry, night one was better than night two, but there were still, there's still some good things here on, on night two, just a lot going on. And this show also went longer too. Whereas last night's show ended around 10, this ended around maybe like 1030, a little before 1030, but look, thumbs up for the effort from all involved. And yes, including Vince McMahon, who's crazy enough to think he could take on a pandemic. I just hope and pray that everybody involved is safe, is sound, does not test positive, and gets to be home for a while, at least for a couple of weeks. Seriously. Seriously. And, and I hope they all got their WrestleMania bonuses. I know there was no live gate. I know they're losing money on merch and all this other crap. But the reality is Vince McMahon just sold a bunch of stock to, to remain liquid. And he's got the huge TV deals from USA Network and from Fox and the international TV deals and the Saudi Arabia money. So you know what? Pay the performers their bonus. Pay them some hazard pay because they were literally putting their lives on the line this weekend. Much respect to them. Much respect, especially to the production crew, the video editing crew. Y'all are the unsung heroes. Wow. So, let's go to some of the feedback. Ryan Shabon says, I enjoyed WrestleMania. It was a little wacky, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was definitely wacky. I'll, I'll say this. If nothing else, WWE was pretty damn creative. That's for sure. Pretty, pretty freaking creative. 
Jeremy Bauer said the Firefly Funhouse match was such good ish and made me want to see a Cena Wyatt buddy comedy movie. Sure. You know what? I would have liked this if this were like a series, right? As opposed to a WrestleMania match. I think that's what my one issue with it was. Like the traditionalist in me is like, what the hell am I watching here? And yes, I did enjoy the Boneyard match, but I got to say, I thought the Boneyard match was better. But look, it was something. It was an effort. And if they wanted to do something that would be remembered forever, well, <laughs> mission accomplished. Richard Cook says, I thought this WrestleMania could have been a whole lot better if Undertaker match, okay, could have been a whole lot better. The Undertaker match in part one was the best of all. Yeah, I like the Boneyard match uh, the most. Terrence Sullivan says, Otis is the modern-day King Kong Bundy. Us fat guys have to stick together, and Mandy is a goddess. Hey, y'all got to stick together, do your thing. Uh, Mrs. Beamer, lovely Libra72 on Twitter says, that Bianca Belair and the Street Profits as an act together are money. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you there. Totally agree. Uh, let's see here. Do you think that Bray Wyatt will take on Braun Strowman for the Universal Championship? That's a really good question. I mean, Braun is going to need a challenger. I don't know, actually. That, that's, a, that's a good question. Is he? Huh. I mean, it makes sense from a storyline perspective. He beat John Cena. He. I don't think he's going to rematch Goldberg anytime soon. You need a match if you're going to run Money in the Bank in, in some way. And Braun and Bray have history as uh, the Wyatt family members. And to the best of my knowledge, they've never had a one-on-one match. So I guess they could do that. Uh, Jeremiah Hagman says, I'm happy for Drew McIntyre. John Marie says, first Shayna, now Rhea. Vince must really hate NXT. <laughs> well, I don't, know, I don't know if he hates NXT or is trying to spite Triple H because he keeps losing in the ratings to AEW. But yeah, I mean, he's put Triple H in a bad spot. Rhea loses. Shayna loses. Uh, most of the, a lot of the NXT call-ups uh, end up losing the big matches. What else? Oh, he sends Triple H out like a puppy dog to do all these interviews saying that Roman Reigns is going to be written off in a, in a unique way at WrestleMania, and instead they do it in the laziest way possible on SmackDown, where they just announced Braun Strowman against Goldberg with no angle, no storyline reason, not even a real-life reason. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. By the way, shout-out to my main man, uh, Ladale the Fashionista of Tuck Magazine. Dude is one of the most stylish people I know. Mr. Racer 1029. Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar clean at Mania. Imagine how epic this might have been in front of a massive crowd. Yeah, I, I agree, dude. I, I agree. Hopefully, hopefully things get better soon and uh, they can safely run it back in front of some semblance of an audience. I, I think moving forward, WWE shouldn't be booking big venues. I think they should be conservative. I mean, how booked, I mean, you, you know, New York's such a mess right now. It seems unfathomable right now, but down the road, smaller venues like the Hammerstein Ballroom, like, I mean, I don't know, I can't think, I think the ECW Arena in Philly, uh, or whatever it's called right now, like small venues like that are even smaller. Yeah, actually, there you go, like, like Full Sail University. If they could safely run shows at Full Sail University, at, at university with no crowd, why not? Did I say anniversary? It's been a long night, folks. Folks, it's been a long weekend. My, my apologies. But yeah, look, I would like to see them run small, intimate venues for now. Kind of reminiscent of the old school Raws from the early 90s in the Manhattan Center. That'd be kind of fun. And you kind of ease your way back into having big crowds. That's what I would do. But I think overall, this for this country and the world, it's going to take a while. But I hope everybody stays healthy, obviously. Henry Cross is super happy that Charlotte Flair won. Sarsak Gutham says his favorite match was Drew McIntyre versus Brock. 
I thought it was pretty good, but I don't know. Favorite match? For me, my favorite match over the weekend was the Boneyard match. Other matches I really liked. Charlotte versus Rhea was good. I thought Becky versus Shayna was good, but way too short. Way too short. Women's tag title match was good. Uh, I really liked Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. That might have been the best match bell to bell. But if you're talking about one match that didn't have bells and whistles and just had, you know, straight up wrestling, best match probably was Flair versus uh, Ripley, honestly. Okay, way to bury Rhea. Hey, look, I I think they'll eventually run it back, but yeah, I, I was not a fan of, of her losing. Just, just my humble opinion. Just my humble opinion. I was not a fan of her losing. Uh, T. Sullivan says, I'm more disappointed that Becky and Bailey are still champions. I love them, but Jesus Christmas, they've been holding on to the titles for a long time. That is true, but I'll tell you this. Considering what they've done or not done with the U.S. title and the IC title and uh, you know some of the other titles over, over the years, I'm fine with them actually keeping some champions strong for once. Uh, I, I really am. Uh, Fred, what do you think about AEW still taping shows? From what I understand, they have at least a few weeks in the can. I think I think they'll be fine. They taped, I believe, at not not Punisher Martinez. What's his name? QT Marshall's uh, gym, his his training facility in Georgia. I said Punishment Martinez because Damian Priest, Punishment Martinez, used to be a trainer at the Monster Factory. And I believe QT Marshall's gym in Georgia is actually an affiliate or, or works with the Monster Factory here in New Jersey. So that's where they, they recorded it. But I, I believe Georgia has a stay-at-home order now. Florida does as well. But Vince McMahon, he's got that money and he's got those deep political connections. So we will see what happens there. Javier TV says the reason why Charlotte won is her birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is Charlotte's 34th birthday. Happy birthday, Charlotte. Yeah, but how many people in Vince McMahon's WWE have freaking lost on their birthday, have lost in their hometown, but Charlotte has to win. And I guess technically Naomi lost in her hometown because she's from Orlando. So, hey, there you go. But overall, I would give this mini weekend a thumbs up. Was it, was it WrestleMania level by traditional standards? No, but look, the world's changing for the better, for the worse. And, uh, you know, we all just uh, got got to hang in there. So I hope y'all are staying home. I hope y'all are staying safe. Just a few programming notes uh, for you guys. I am working on my WWE 2K20 on PC review. I've reviewed it on PS4. I've reviewed it on Xbox One. And I said, you know what? Why not do the unholy trinity as The Undertaker says? So I am reviewing the PC game. And 20 minutes in, it crashed on me. So that review is going great. I just did a, a review of the WWE Network app. So please tune in to that. My interview with the Godfather, Debbie Hall of Famer, goes live this week. Plus, we got wall-to-wall coverage of everything else going on on the WrestleMania Aftermath front. And, oh yeah, I just uploaded a brand new special called The Best WrestleMania Superstars of the Modern Era. We profile six superstars in depth on their WrestleMania legacies. So if you want to binge that during work or during social distancing, whatever the case may be, please do so. Also, if you want to get... Some brand new TSC merch. All you got to do is go on prowrestlingtees.com slash TSC news or just click the merch links on YouTube and any of our pages. Until then, folks, I appreciate y'all. Please like, share this with all your friends, subscribe to the TSC news podcast. Just search TSC news podcast. Subscribe, enable notifications because we got plenty of updates. I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to be home for a while. I hope y'all are home for a while until this thing gets taken care of. Until then, Thank you so much, and until next time, as always, enjoy the matches.